when I hear about Georgia history from you guys, and I hear about the horrible game between Spurrier uh, the night the, the Braves won the World Series, and and uh, the the brutal game here, and the Alabama loss, and the and the brutal uh, loss, all the big moments that involve someone mocking someone else always feels like it's Georgia being the one that's mocked or the one that has to kind of suffer a little bit. They're going to have to wear this loss forever. Georgia takes apart Tennessee on Rocky Top 41 to nothing. And Will, I think, said it best. The Vols, their coaching staff, and their fighting mad fans in the stands at Neyland will always have to remember September 30th, 2017 forever. Why? Because that's a statement score of utter domination that can't be argued against. No excuses about a bad call or one singular player who might have made a sensational play. Nope. Kirby Smart and company pantsed Butch Jones and his volunteers on national television, and that's a result that will have major ramifications for both programs in 2017 and beyond. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode 103 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. My co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller, join me to break down Georgia's thumping of Tennessee and Knoxville. As a result of Saturday, the Dogs have now risen to number five in the AP poll and number six in the coaches poll and head back to the state of Tennessee next week to take on Vanderbilt. But we'll get to the Commodores in our preview podcast later this week. Let's get started on celebrating this big win. Here's Will to kick us off. Are you, are you guys ready? Should we should we get cranking? Yeah, just go ahead and start. Oh, we hadn't started yet? Oh, we have started. <laughs> Let, let's hear your first hot take, Will. Oh, can we let's hear my first hot take? Yeah. Uh, I will say that uh, you know one of the things that Tony has been talking about, I think essentially uh, this entire year is a series of tests and a series of tests for the team to pass and a series of uh, little hurdles to get over that they have to prove, not just the team, but the coaching staff. It's funny because, you know, every single Never mind just advanced stat. Like every single indicator was pointing for Georgia winning this game comfortably, yet it was still kind of amazing how nobody trusted that it was going to happen that way, uh, just because of the history of Georgia with Tennessee and the history of Georgia football. To me, again, I don't have the history of pain that you guys do uh, with Georgia, but I have to say, if you're playing the word Georgia and we're going to screw this up because we're Georgia card, uh, I, I don't think you can play that anymore. Uh, not only did Georgia not fall on their face or have any sort of bad mojo come back, they played as dominant as a game. This is going to be one that every single time Georgia plays at Tennessee from now, from now until forever, every other year, this game is going to come up and that's quite lovely. Well, I mean, this was the worst loss they'd ever taken at Nayland Stadium. I've been the pump the brace guy, which is a weird place for me to be. But it's amazing to me, especially how not confident, not confident is not the right way to put it, how we, how, we, how we struggled the first 19 minutes of the game and we were still up 17 to nothing. It's a testament to how, how much these players have bought into what Kirby Smart is selling. I've seen a couple articles um, out and about, Bulldog Illustrated and some other places, talked about senior leadership on this team. And I think we may have underestimated how important it was for Carter Bellamy, Chubb, and Michelle to come back, even just on the, the culture of what has happened. I mean, a, a good example, when Tyler Clark got the offsetting unsportsmanlike uh, conduct, four or five guys came over and got in his ear before Kirby could even talk to him. When's the last time? I mean, that's amazing to me. It's just, it really was an extraordinarily 
dying performance. And well, you're right. You haven't suffered through kind of what we have struggled with over the past how many ever years it is, even in the halcyon years of the greatest Rick seasons. I mean, we can all enumerate the, the, the places where we have hadn't done quite what we wanted to do. I mean, the 35, seven drubbing in Columbia losing to Florida, um, you know, I mean, this is really unprecedented. Certainly since before, certainly since Dooley was coach and, I'm still not ready to say everything. All is well, and we you can start booking tickets to places that we haven't Ooh. even been able to pronounce. <laughs> but man, this is fun. Think about two years ago, Georgia was up twenty-four to three right before halftime, I think, and that was similar to what we were up this year. You know, a couple of things that were different though. You started to feel. I was making notes throughout the first half, and I, you know, I had had written things down that say. Fromm was freshman QBing. It looks like it's second long every series. As good as the O-line looked versus uh, Mississippi State, it looks pitiful against UT. And that's just in the first quarter and uh, the beginning of the second quarter before you know we started kind of balling and, and putting them away. But I made the comment to uh, Colby. I was, you know, our... Uh, my friend who brings bourbon on the drop of a hat, but I was sitting Yay, next to Colby. <laughs> I was sitting next to Colby and I was like, you know, if, if this were a Rick coach team in that last uh, final season, it's almost like you felt like he would always pull back the reins and try not to hurt someone's feelings. And Kirby did the exact opposite and just kept his foot on the pedal. And I think it gives me as a fan confidence knowing that that Wikipedia page for Neyland stadium might stay <laughs> that way, that Georgia is the owner of Neyland stadium because of <laughs> Kirby Smart is is the head coach of Georgia. No, it was so good. It was so good, and it was such an antithesis of what we dealt with two years ago at Will's birthday party. Well, I mean, the closest thing we came to taking our foot off the pedal, um, and, and frankly, uh, I think it was the right call. Even even if we were trying to run out of the clock, was we only let we only let Easton throw one pass. Right. Ooh. Right. Yeah, we can get into that uh, in a bit too. Uh, that, that's a that's a letter thing. But to me. I mean, well, this is the first time Tennessee has been shut out since 1994. We'll talk about like this team and everything else, and we can get into the details of the game and what they did right, what they did, what they didn't. But you know, I, when I think about Georgia, when I hear about Georgia history from you guys, and I hear about the horrible game between Spurrier uh, the night the, the Braves won the World Series, and and uh, the, the brutal game here, and the Alabama loss, and the and the brutal uh, loss, all the big moments that involve someone mocking someone else. Always feels like it's Georgia being the one that's mocked or the one that has to kind of suffer a little bit. They're going to have to wear this loss <laughs> forever. And I think I really should not be underestimated. And maybe this is me getting more comfortable with being a Georgia fan and a more of an SEC guy. But 41 nothing loss at home. All the little individual humiliations that Tennessee went through in this game. An interception on the very first play, uh, play of the game. The one good play they have ending with it being stripped out for a fumble, getting shut out for the first time ever, a huge fight in the stands, like the number of full-on meme-worthy things that are going to last from this game and Georgia fans are going to be able to have for as long as they play Tennessee. Now, we can get into the details 
of this game and what this means for Kirby Smart and the coaching staff when you're in the quarterback situation. But I really just want to make sure that doesn't go unremarked upon is that this is now just an eternal moment for Georgia over Tennessee. That seems like potentially delightful for a very long time. You forgot about the punt where it looked like my oh, yes. seven-year-old daughter kicking it. Yes, yes. <laughs> that was a good one, too. Well, I mean, as as much as we have suffered over watching the Hail Mary to end the game last year, this erases it in in spades. I mean, it when when your highlight play ends in a strip fumble at the end of the play, when the best play beyond that went seven yards, when you have five three and outs in eight drives – quote unquote drives that are three plays or fewer. It is a thorough domination as you will see. And, and frankly, in the first quarter and a half, Georgia played like we played against Vanderbilt last year or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know, I keep, I keep going back and, and you brought up the, at the top of the podcast, we'll kind of pass in these tests the coaches out – I mean, it's not hard to do. They coached out, out coached Butch Jones. But not only that, they were able to get their kids settled down and start making calls that didn't put Fromm in a situation where he was making those dangerous throws over the middle. And we can talk about the first the, – the pass that should have intercepted on that first drive right after the interception. Uh, not, not it was clearly – he was clearly held, but whatever. Fromm got away with with three bad passes, and he had a very Grayson Lambert-like mm-hmm. line on the, on the game, and we still won 41 to nothing. And after about seven, nine minutes in the first quarter, it never even felt that close. And that's amazing to me. I mean, this, this washes away everything about last year. I mean, washes away everything about last year in a way that – it's unequivocal, and anybody that brings up that play last year, well, you can't defend whatever. But dude, forty-one nothing. I mean, yeah. and I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend, I'm gonna spend the next how many ever years pointing to the scoreboard. <laughs> That's what I mean. That's what this game did. That's what I'm talking about. I will say, maybe we can talk a lot about the quarterbacks a little bit. From obviously with the two rushing touchdowns and making some good plays late, it's still, I don't know. We probably should talk about this in the, more in the preview podcast. You know, that interception was his first real definitive. Oh, that's a freshman. Like, that's a yeah. freshman quarterback moment. I think there's no question about that. I think he certainly played well enough to win, obviously. Uh, and, 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 you know, but, you know, there's still going to be a time this year. It hasn't happened yet. And it may be a while considering how the uh, SEC East looks right now. But there is going to be a time this year where you're going to require the quarterback to make a big play to win a game. I'm still not sold that Fromm is the best guy for that in the long term or at least in the in the short term of this season uh, but certainly he didn't do anything to lose the game I like the Grayson Lambert comparison because A that's exactly the type of thing that you always want out of Grayson Lambert and B I was always skeptical of Grayson Lambert like I'm always a little skeptical of Jake Fromm but it doesn't really matter uh, when he's playing like that and we can get in the quarterback thing next week but if you've got Chubb running like that and specifically the defense go, uh, going like this the idea that Roquan looks like an All-American right now. Like he looks like a definitive All-American. There's just nothing that really isn't flying well right now. And what's amazing is that you can Georgia can legitimately roll out five legit running backs out there. I mean, even Holyfield, when he came in, he was running hard. I thought he was going to get himself a touchdown. And you're sitting there counting on your hand. You're saying Chubb, Michelle, Swift, Harry, and Holyfield. That's amazing. And so that will help offset, in my opinion, any shortcomings we have in the passing game. Uh, because those guys are just going to keep coming at them. Yeah, every time I look at the box score, by the way, guys, don't read this box score at work. It's not safe. <laughs> but um, it was, I mean, it was just, it was straight up dog porn, right? <laughs> I mean, 
Chubb, 16 rushes for 109 yards, and he was just gashing them in the second half. Sony Michelle, 11 for 67 yards. Elijah, 7 for 51. I mean, Swift, who had probably the nicest run of the game where he got hit at 10 yards and went for another 13, just carrying the pile by himself. This is a guy that's 5'10". It was just, it really was an incredible football game. And then, you know, you have to give Cheney credit. You absolutely have to give Cheney credit. After he realized Fromm was was being a freshman, um, he really I wouldn't say dumbed down the playbook, but he made it everything simple, right? He he went to uh, he went to something that that actually Fromm was really good at the run pass option. You know, his first touchdown was by no means a run pass option. That was just a heads up. Uh, you know what? There's a lane there, and I'm going to take it. But the, the the second touchdown was pure run pass option. It was a clearly they Tennessee didn't think he was going to run the ball. He's just like you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna get another touchdown, y'all. <laughs> um, admit it, admit it. Everybody was saying, "Oh, Chubb's getting." T-. No, he's not. You know, because that's that was my reaction. I thought Chubb had the ball and they'd stuffed him. Oh yeah, I mean it and fooled it, me. It was a. a <laughs> I will. You have been. You have not been afraid to make the comparison between. Georgia and Alabama at times this year, and I may regret this later in the season, but it really felt like we were watching Jalen Hurts in game five last year, right? And it is really still hard for me to get my head around Georgia playing this well. Um, and, and frankly, it's because we we saw the fruits of good coaching, um, team buy-in, and a Tennessee team that's not not great, but they weren't really that great last year, and we just we couldn't finish what we needed to do. We didn't attack the day. <laughs> then, but then oh, we, we, the drill, the drill, the drills were finished. We attacked the crap out of the day Saturday. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> drills were finished. Days were attacked. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, do we want to talk about Butch Jones a little bit? This may be the last time on this podcast we ever get to talk about Butch Jones because <laughs> I have a feeling this is his. This may be his last game that he coaches uh, against Georgia. It's funny, you know. To me, one of the things that's been very exciting and, you know, enlightening, you know, again, you, you guys heard me in the offseason. I was, you know, I felt like a, some of the ways in which the coaching stands were, were uh, the coaching staff was handling itself was, uh, the way that a coaching staff that had won more than it actually had had necessarily the right to conduct itself. I would put it that way. And you realize, cause it's hard. Like, that's, that's it. They're stupid. They're, these are all smart guys, but it's really hard. Like, listen, Butch Jones was considered a really good coach one day. Once and and Will Muschamp said this really hot coaching candidate. One of the things that's really exciting for me. Look, there are guys that have, I'm sorry, I'm doing the Alabama thing again, but like there are guys who have coached under Saban before who have taken head coaching jobs. And again, there's more talent at Georgia. There's no question about that. But, you know, in the same way that, you know, just because you coached under Bill Walsh does not mean you're going to coach like Bill Walsh or because you coached under Coach K does not mean you're going to coach like Coach K. And there are differences, particularly the fact that once again, at the end of this game, I really love the fact that Kirby Smart shows joy, <laughs> actually expresses joy and gets excited. I love after that interception when he sprints down the sideline uh, yeah. with, with that, that was fantastic like that's one of my absolute favorite things about him as a coach but like that similarity other than the fact that that uh, that he shows joy it's really looking like a Saban coach team, not just with that con- that consistency and that un- that unwillingness to let let off but just the intense preparedness and just this feeling that and again I liked Rick, but like this is a 
right now, this coaching staff looks like it is after last year. We were like, are we sure these guys know what they're doing? Not only do I feel confident in them, I feel like they're whooping up pretty smart coaching staffs. Butch Jones may be accepted on a regular basis right now. Well, the interesting thing is uh, on Friday night, I watched the Miami Duke game and Miami had a couple of inexplicable timeout calls, for example, and they won that game handily. Uh, Will, congratulations on picking Duke. Um, (laughs) Yes. I picked Illinois, uh, too, so. (laughs) Well, but, you know, in all seriousness, I I watched that, and I actually tweeted, hey, look, the Mark Rick Memorial random timeout call, and Georgia called a timeout inside the four-yard line after the – after the DeAndre Swift uh, halfback pass, we for the first time I think the season we weren't quite set. And they dialed up a perfect play call with the fade out to Wims. By the way, did you know Scott who he was up against there? Was that Abernathy? Shaq Wiggins. Shaq Wiggins, <laughs> journeyman cornerback. <laughs> <laughs> It was a beautiful play call. They ran stacked on the right on the left side and they they ran a quick in and just basically froze the cornerback who was Wiggins and Wims got over there and made it actually a really nice catch. And it was it was they they are making all the right calls right now. And it is in this we we'll talk about the quarterback, I'm sure, on uh, when we do the the podcast, the preview Vandy preview podcast. But this 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 game is why I don't it doesn't really matter to me who they pick because if they pick Eason, great. They pick from great. I trust that. And it's so weird after the past how many ever years to be in that place for me as a Georgia fan. You know, Will, you asked about uh, any last thoughts on Butch Jones. I did have a last thought, and I actually tweeted it yesterday. And yeah, here's the thing. I have, I think, I don't really keep up with it that much, 400-something, 400, 400-and-change 400 Twitter followers. Uh, it's a small comparison to Will's. And, and Tony's, but, uh, and I don't tweet that often on my personal account. Uh, but yesterday I tweeted, I had to coach my nine-year-old soccer team this morning. I know nothing about soccer. I can now empathize with Butch Jones, hashtag UGA versus Tennessee. That, that, that tweet got favorited 45 times and, and retweeted nine times. So obviously a lot of people kind of feel the same way I do. Like, we're like, Hey, we're just like the soccer dads who know nothing about soccer. That's how he looks like he's coaching college football. Yeah, but were you railing about fake news after that before the game <laughs> and railing about uh, uh, um, yelling at the media? It, to me, Butch Jones. It's funny. We talk. I know I joked about this at the beginning of the year when when it came to Kirby and some of his uh, policies toward the media. Butch Jones is what happens when you have bad policies toward the media and you start losing. It just becomes it becomes a feeding frenzy. Like it has been like Butch Jones ever since that press conference, uh, his fake news press conference, and uh, and the media negativity press conference uh, ever since then uh, he's it's just gone all gone downhill <laughs> it's all gone downhill it's all fine. and he was in trouble anyway but like the minute they fell behind Tennessee like we all know it. we all see it we saw it at Florida with Muschamp we saw it at Tennessee now with Jones when someone's gonna get fired and they know it that's when stuff really blows up like that's when stuff yeah. really starts getting out of control and you clearly saw that uh, on Saturday well, and the interesting thing about it, we let's harken back to the uh, the very widely tweeted video of the um, of of the fight. Right? It's mm-hmm. interesting. I got I got that tweet from you, Will. I got that tweet from um, from my friend Jason. I got that tweet from my friend uh, Jeff Sinek, who is a huge Southern Cal fan. It is really interesting that how many of those people had the same pair of checkerboard overalls on? <laughs> <laughs> well, they were all related. 
I mean, I'm pretty sure that's the, <laughs> that is the truth. So. You know, mom, mom and daddy were cousins. They grew up way off from each other. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But uh, all right, so uh, obviously, we, you know, we'll have plenty to preview uh, Vanderbilt uh, coming up. But it's funny to think you've got Vanderbilt on the road, you've got Missouri at home, and then you've got a week off, and then you have what I would consider, you know. The game that I think everyone's looking forward to, and uh, it's I find it fascinating that you know Georgia lost at home to Vanderbilt last year. Missouri has been a long time headache for them, and probably should have beat them again last year. Yet this feels like such a different situation than not just last year, but even other times where they've had rough times against Vanderbilt and Missouri. I find myself, and this is why I'm not a coach, I find myself already like, not even really thinking about those games that much, which is amazing. These are SEC teams. Vanderbilt beat a very good team that, that has had, had some quality wins. But it, it is amazing how quickly I've gone from, yeah, this po- coaching staff's got a lot to prove, to, yeah, I'm, uh, I, I'm with him. I'm not feeling bad about being a sunshine pumper today. Well, Scott, you can you can correct me if you you disagree with this, but I think I'll probably start feeling it if we do to Florida what I think on paper we we probably should do. And let's be clear: we come away with a one point victory. We win three to two in Jacksonville. I'll be happy, right? But if if we go to Florida and win that game and look confident doing it. That's when I'll probably get excited about what this team can be. It, it has nothing to do with anything that has happened the past five games because, frankly, this is a this is a joyous train ride for me, and I'm fine with it. But Jacksonville's been the house of horrors. I don't want to overlook Vanderbilt. I don't want to look at Missouri. But you know, right now, going on the road to Vanderbilt, and I could feel different. We do the preview podcast. Doesn't scare me like it has in the past. Yeah, I think eight no. That would be that would be eight no for Georgia if they can get past the next three opponents, including Florida. And you just don't I mean think about think about recent history. And when I say recent history, maybe twenty, twenty-five years, you just haven't had maybe but one eight no start. And so that would be rarefied air for uh this Georgia team that we've been following in our, you know, college and adult years. And, and Will, you know, if you had told me it began the it began this game. Nislak was only going to hit 35-yard uh, average. Fromm was going to throw an interception. He was going to go 7-15 and get sacked twice. I would have said, mm, I don't feel good about Georgia winning this game. It was 41 to nothing. Yeah. But I think the real question is, do we have a kicker controversy? I think that is the clear takeaway (laughs) from this game. Do we have a kicker controversy? Stay tuned for the WSL podcast, uh, WSS podcast later this week to find out as we break down who will win that kicking competition. You guys, 41 to nothing over Tennessee. Let's just say that one last time. Go oh, you want? <laughs> I thought you wanted me to say forty-one nothing. Is that no. is that, oh, is that what you're looking for? Nothing. I forty-one want, nothing. I just wanted to float it in the air, let it waft in the it air. It feels so good to say though. Oh, it's like it's like a like 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 forty-one nothing. Take me away, and it's like a babble bath, and just after a long week with the kids. All right, guys, we'll be back. With our, we're going to be at our new digs, by the way. We're going to be at the new place, the new studio. Is that right, Scott? We're going to be the new studio for the next show. 
Call it what you will, but yes, we will be here. We, that makes me realize we need a name. We actually do need a name for the new studio. So, hey, let's put it up. Let's put it up to the listeners. What should yes. they name it? Yes, please let us know any sort of that, that you like. Otherwise, Wolves forty-one nothing, forty-one nothing, forty-one nothing. Go dogs! Go dogs! And thanks so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter at WSLS Podcast. Make sure to look us up on Apple Podcasts. That's usually known as iTunes, but Apple doesn't refer to it as iTunes in the podcast store anymore. So I guess it's time for me to call it what it is. You can subscribe, rate, and review our show on Apple Podcasts, and we would greatly appreciate it, and we will read your review on a future show. For you non-Apple users out there, you can listen to us on SoundCloud via their app or by the URL that we share on Twitter. Also, have you heard us on Anchor yet? Anchor is a new micro-podcasting app. I've uploaded a few episodes. You should check them out. But I promise to get Will and Tony involved so they can create and share some original content as well. Go to Anchor FM and search Waiting Since Last Saturday. Or you can download the app on Apple or Google Play. So that'll do it for episode 103. Hope you have a great start to your week. And when you see those volunteer friends of yours, you can ask them about the fight in the stands between guys wearing overalls or the butt fumble where the center couldn't really make it back to the quarterback or the punter kicking into his teammate's helmet or back or wherever he did. Or you know what you can just do? You can just say go dogs and save yourself the trouble. I know I will. You've earned it. We'll see you in a couple weeks on campus. Go dogs. Go dogs.